Today, just six months into the job, President Trump's embattled press secretary called it quits. Sean Spicer's brief tenure got off to a bad start. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period, both in person and around the globe. Spicer's debut made nobody happy. The president didn't like his look, including the ill-fitting suit, and others criticized his inaccuracies, or as another aide called them. Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts. You're listening to The Devil's Advocate, where we talk about news and current events. I'm your host, Brandon Condit. And I'm also your host, Mitchell Hernandez. Our goal at The Devil's Advocate is to provoke thought by introducing viewpoints and information that isn't readily available in the mainstream media. It's in truth a conversation where an independent liberal, like myself, and an independent conservative, like myself, can share different viewpoints without the typical disdain for one another we see all too often in politics. So with that, let's get started. Uh, this, the day is finally here. There have been many for some time, including a lot of Sean's friends who have said, how much can he take? How much will he take of being undermined by the president and pushed aside inside the White House? Well, today he resigned. No question, John. And I think a key point here is, as we're talking to um, our sources in the White House, as well as Republicans close to the White House, who want this president to succeed, they say that Sean Spicer believed this morning really for one of the first times that the president was doing something that would not allow him to succeed. Sean is a creature of Washington. Sean uh, believes uh, deeply in you know the, uh, the uh, process and how things work. And he thought that he could be the most helpful to the president in this way. But by hiring Anthony Scarmucci, it essentially um, you know, makes the uh, point clear, which has been sort of emerging, that the president wants to be his own communications director, the president wants to be his own press secretary, and he does not want help from uh, those in Washington. This is now uh, more of an outside game. This is now more of a fight. This is about the, the uh, Russia investigation. Uh, this is uh, much less about the agenda here. So I think you know the writing has been on the wall, John, in so many different respects. But I am told today the final straw was when he was effectively said he wasn't needed here because it became a less of a, you know, a what do you know about Washington game than an outside Trump game. So the walls are essentially tightening in a little bit, and it's more um, a people from a Trump Tower, the New York world, who are here for this president. All right. Welcome back to TDAP. Um, quick reminder, Mitch is not on the show this week. He is out in California on vacation, soaking up those sun rays on the beach while I'm stuck here in St. Louis, hot, humid-ass St. Louis, 110-degree St. Louis. So congrats, Mitch, on getting out of town for the weekend. Um, real quick, what we wanted to start with, uh, the soundbite that you just heard, that I just played. I edited for time. It's still a long bit, I know. You just powered through it like I did, but I cut out about 45 seconds in the middle of that. So if you go to the comment section, um, the top link on in under Sean Spicer section is the full video and audio. Um, basically, I cut out some nonsense about Sean Spicer and the the reporter that was talking basically goes on to say these are the reasons that Sean Spicer shouldn't have been happy in his job and you know that that was more of an opinion anyway 
It was like two and a half minutes, so I cut out that 45 seconds. But you can go, I don't want to misrepresent what was said there. So you can go check out the comment section, click on that top link, and it'll take you straight to straight to that video. Um, another thing this week, in honor of Sean, Sean Spicer, uh, I figured I would turn off the Facebook Live camera. So this is just a podcast week for me. No, no cameras in the room. We like it that way. Um... So we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and jump into Sean Spicer now. He is out, and the comedy stylings of Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Anthony Scaramucci have have now stepped into that position. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Mitch and I have talked about multiple times over the the history of the show. I think she's better at the job than Sean Spicer is. Um, Sean Spicer didn't really get. He didn't really get uh, off to a good start, and I think that that really set him up for the six months of being the butt of every joke as he became. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to step into this role now. She's going to be the one that... Wow, got stuff crashing down behind me. This is... is, These are good background sounds. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to step into this position now. She's going to bulldog her way through the press briefings. We might actually get to see some of these on camera again. I think she does handle the room a little bit better than Sean Spicer does. Um, you know, he he just really was... He seemed like an awkward guy to take the position anyway. I know he's a communications guy, and that's kind of what he's done. But you wouldn't know it by seeing him in front of that room. Now, to his defense he is working for donald trump a guy who on a daily basis undercuts what his surrogates are saying you know these people come out there and they are his spin team and every administration has one it you know that that's their job you go out there and you spin for you know whatever is not flattering of uh, of the administration on the administration whatever Sean Spicer didn't seem like the greatest guy to have that position. He always seemed nervous. He always seemed awkward. And and even if it wasn't nervous and awkward, it was at the very least overly frustrated or aggressive, annoyed. Um, he had a history of not really, like when he would call on people in the press briefing room, he would call on people that weren't in the room, and I guess the uh, it's easy to not have to field a question from a guy that isn't in the room. So, Jim Acosta, you don't show up. I guess that's the name I'm calling today. We'll we'll see we'll see how how many questions get answered that way. Sean Spicer's not the greatest guy. Now, Anthony Scaramucci coming in isn't going to be the guy who who stands up there and does the press briefings. He's going to be the the behind the scenes guy. He's going to be the director of communications. So he's basically going to be the spinner for the spinner, right? He's going to be the guy that goes and tells Sarah Huckabee Sanders what what she needs to go out and pitch. So, I'm sure a lot of you, much like myself, uh up until a couple of days ago, Anthony Scaramucci, who is this? Who who is that guy? Well, I don't know this guy. So, 
I went ahead and I pulled up this article from CBS News. And let's let's read a little bit, learn a little bit about Anthony Scaramucci. Um, he's a native Long Islander who's made a fortune in New York finance. He's also been a major donor to Republican candidates and causes and a regular defender of President Trump on TV. Um, he served on the Trump Transition Committee and was said to be in the running for a White House job after the inauguration. Scaramucci went to Tufts University and Harvard Law and then landed at Goldman Sachs in 1989. Um, a company, obviously, we've talked about Goldman Sachs again. There's, there's quite a few Goldman Sachs representatives in the uh, government. Um, in 1991, he was fired by Goldman only to be hired back two months later in another, divi- in another division and eventually became its president of wealth management. In 2005, he founded Skybridge Capital, an investment firm which became known for its annual Las Vegas conferences where politicians and investors would rub shoulders with celebrities. He wrote several books and became a regular guest on business-focused networks. Um, in January, he announced that he was selling Skybridge to H&A Group, a Chinese company with close ties to the Communist Party there. Whatever that means. That's CBS's reporting on it. So, um, let's see. He has not always been an ally of Donald Trump. Um, he first endorsed Scott Walker and then Jeb Bush in 2016 primaries when Trump went after the hedge fund guys. Um, I mean, I'm sure you remember that, that statement. In a 2015 election, he uh, scared Mitchie, fired back, calling Trump anti-American and a political hack. But... Scaramucci was the like one of the first guys after Trump got the nomination to come to his aid and start defending him hol- holistically on every on every network. So Scaramucci is basically the thing that that Donald Trump likes about Anthony Scaramucci is that Scaramucci is a New York business guy just like Donald Trump and they're both salesmen, right? I mean, if you watched the if you watched his first press conference the other day after after Sean Spicer resigned Friday morning um, a couple hours goes by Sarah Huckabee Sanders comes out reads a statement about from the president about Sean's resignation and then introduces Scaramucci he comes out and then you know sprays love all over the room for anybody or anything associated with the Trump brand and which I would put that soundbite in. I there's an amazing montage um, that I think Newsy or some some YouTuber put up, and, and it's a great compilation of the love that he shares for for all of these guys. But it really doesn't it doesn't translate in audio. I, I tried to put it in, and I just, it just doesn't because he's such a good salesman and because he talks so fast and he's doing so much so so quickly it you sounds like a run-on sentence that just makes no sense and it's like a minute and a half of just like him loving but i will put the link in the comments because it is a great it's a great little bit it's pretty funny so i will also put the link to his full press conference um basically though i think the the trump idea here is let's get this New York businessman who speaks well, who um, is a, we'll say air quotes, no nonsense guy. He's he's a businessman, right? Like his 
his job is to schmooze you over, whether you're the American public or whether you're the next business venture. That is his job. And he is admittedly in his press conference loyal to Donald Trump. Well, we know that Donald Trump likes that, and if he doesn't get that, you're probably on your way out the door. Whether that means, you know, whether that walks the line of obstructing things or not, I don't I don't know that Donald I I don't know that that's his concern. So, or at least that isn't evident that that's his concern. So, we'll see, you know, we'll see where that goes in the future. But basically, Scaramucci came out and gave a really convincing, nice, thought-out um press conference where unlike what Sean Spicer was told to do, which was never answer any question ever, Scaramucci went around the room and he, after every question that was asked to him, said, I'm going to get to everybody in the room. Now, obviously, that's not realistic. That It's not going to happen. But he did take a lot of questions. He spoke for 35 minutes um, and, and answered questions. And I think he impressed the people in that room. Probably by comparison a little bit because I don't think Sean Spicer impressed them after he came out with and can you know the the inauguration claim really was the downfall of Sean Spicer and I know that he was told to do that but I mean I I don't have to explain it it looked bad and if it didn't look bad to you you're just you're wrong you're too you're too biased that way because like come on you know cameras existed in the last election and on a Saturday night after you you've taken office on Friday, you should still be celebrating. You shouldn't be coming out to tell us how big your hands are. That's all I'm saying. So Sean Spicer was never going to make it. Um, Melissa McCarthy helped probably a little bit. She was, she, she did that. (laughs) Um, But you know, so we'll see what we get with Scaramucci. I think we'll get a lot of, I think we'll get a lot of what Donald Trump wants. A guy who is very loyal to Trump won't, Basically, I picture a better, a smoother Corey Lewandowski is what I would imagine that we're about to get. Um, Somebody who is never going to cross Donald Trump. Somebody who is only going to sing his praises and he's going to spin, 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 spin. And that's fine. That's his job, right? So I'm not going to fault him for his job. I will fault anybody who is covering up and obviously lying for the administration um we as americans not conservatives or liberals or democrats or republicans we as americans should want to know if something nefarious happened in an election cycle that is what the investigation is about right and and that is why scaramucci was brought in because now this is more about this is more about how do we Spit, how do we talk about the Russian thing? And and I don't. I think there's there's a big disservice being done um, to to the country because we are so focused on this Russia thing that what while Donald Trump see it's one thing it, it's very easy to say that it doesn't take he shouldn't you hear the argument he shouldn't spend so much time on Twitter. And then you hear the reverse argument. How long does it take to send a tweet? That's Those are both fair arguments. Thing is, though, when you send, like, 
17 tweets in a day, 10 tweets in a day, that means that you're thinking about it an awful lot. And if you're thinking about it an awful lot, are you thinking about your agenda? Are you thinking about infrastructure? Are you thinking about healthcare? What are you thinking about if the if every time anything happens, you have to come out on Twitter and you have to talk about, you have to explain why you looked into pardoning your people around you, which I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that next week, I'm sure we'll go tit for tat on, on that point. But really, you're looking into pardoning yourself and the people around you, and I'm supposed to believe that that's just normal behavior. Um, sorry, guys. Sorry, Republicans. It's it's really hard to, to, to see these things and not use common sense. We can throw logic out the window. Um, that's fine. I know we do that a lot, but come on. Come on. At the very least, it's a cover-up, and we don't know, what, we don't know what's being covered up, so let's find it. If, there, if there's nothing there, I've said a thousand times I'll be satisfied with that. But the fact of the matter is, Scaramucci coming in and being there so that we can handle this situation, at least in... in between the White House to the public terms. Um, we're spending more time on this. We're spending more time on something that is a scandal versus agenda. And I know that Mitch has pointed out and we have pointed out that like Donald Trump has done things and not everything that he's done has been bad. Um, I'm the first one to admit that. he is. He has done some good things. Here's the thing, though. You have to do something big. And what my fear is with this administration is that it's so caught up in scandal and it's so caught up in deflecting. It's so caught up in spinning and, you know, firing and having pieces of it, the administration resign. We're so caught up in that that we're not going to get health care fixed. We're not going to get infrastructure done we're not going to get tax reform done and the thing is that at the end of this year if congress hasn't this is the honeymoon year right this is when the president comes in to to power and basically especially with control of congress he just kind of gets his way he gets the easy stuff out of the way he gets some things done because next year they have to start campaigning and they and congress isn't going to worry about donald trump next year because they're going to be worried about their own jobs so it's going to be i think it's going to become tougher for him to get things done next year because they have an election coming up in a few months at that point and they don't want to they don't want to pass something that's going to lose them their jobs. So if you don't get something done in this first year, then you're probably not going to get something done in your second year when Congress isn't willing to to put their names to anything. And then at the end of next year, you start campaigning for two years from now. So if they don't do something to prove that they that they can get some something big done the fear is that they won't start getting realistic about about getting something big done until the the start of the next term 
not knowing if there will be a next term and wasting four years on on scandal and and bullshit in in the meantime so so i think that that is the is the fear of what happens if if the trump administration can't figure out how to get away from the russia thing the russia thing should be there if you think it doesn't look shady you're lying it should be there but the focus of the administration shouldn't be there what if you look at history, when a scandal like this comes up, when Bill Clinton was accused of of um, sex with Monica Lewinsky, and when he was still lying about it, he wasn't going out every day bringing up the story. If it was brought up, he would answer a question, and he would move on, and he would try to talk about you know, his agenda, but he wasn't actively going out to the media every day going, no, 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 no. This whole blowjob thing is fake news. And, and that is what I think that is where people like me get a little bit nervous about this administration. They're, they're so worried about how they look and about, you know, we don't want you to see this and we don't want you to see that. And we're only going to, we're going to make you dig and dig and dig. And then it's, we're, it's this slow leak of bad information that if there is something bad there, we should always, we should all want to know about it because we shouldn't want to put our, our country in a vulnerable spot for, for political reasons. If there is nothing there, we should all want to know about it so that we can go, this Russia thing, it's bullshit, let's move on, because this country isn't fixing itself. And again, there have been good things. I'm not going to discredit the stock market. I'm not going to discredit some some job creation. Now, we can, Mitch and I can debate that at a later time because, you know, we had stories about how Carrier saved all these jobs. Well, this week, the story came out that that not anymore. All those jobs are gone, and they're gone to Mexico. So that was like a five-month fix. Pat on the back. Still, I'm not saying that he didn't do something there, but he only did it short term. So we have to do something big. We have to get infrastructure done. We have to get tax reform done. We have to get health care fixed. And you know i i i just think that if if i bring this all the way back around to anthony scaramucci to me is an example of somebody who is only here because of the russia story and because he's not he's somebody that is loyal to donald trump that talks that speaks well and you know he he's here to handled this story and i don't know if that is i don't know if that is where the situation or the spot that we want to be in as the american public so um so i don't know so we'll we'll see what comes of this i i admittedly like he he is a good speaker he when i was watching him the other day in his press in his first press conference um i thought like well, he he's pretty convincing. I don't know if I buy it. I mean, you know, he wasn't speaking about anything yet, and he was on today is Sunday. Um, he he was on Jake Tapper today, Jake Tapper show on CNN, and he got a little bit. I think he's. I mean, there's 
look, there's glaring bullshit in this story, right? And I don't know that any smooth talker is going to smooth out the glaring inconsistencies with with you know pieces of this story so we'll see um i'm sure that he will i have a feeling he will be a big part of conversations going forward because i don't think i don't believe personally especially based on his appearance uh, appearances on sunday talk shows today i don't think that he will be a totally behind the scenes guy but we'll see in the future. So, yeah, I think I'll uh, I think I'll leave it there. We begin though with some truly sad and shocking news about Senator and former presidential candidate John McCain. CNN chief medical correspondent Dr. Sanjay Gupta joins us now. Sanjay, what, what have you learned? Uh, With Senator McCain's permission, I spoke to his doctors at the Mayo Clinic earlier today, and they said that operation that he had on Friday revealed that he has a glioblastoma. That is an aggressive type of brain cancer. Uh, That was what was causing his problems, what they operated on right above his left eye, as you may remember, Anderson. Uh, This is a type of uh, primary brain cancer. We know that on Friday morning, he he went to the doctors uh, basically for a, a scheduled annual physical exam. Uh, he was complaining a bit of fatigue and said he's been feeling tired over the last few months. He also had a, uh, a bout of a double vision. Uh, but because of those things, his doctors basically decided to order a CAT scan of his brain. Again, this was all Friday that this happened. Uh, and then it was that CAT scan and then a subsequent MRI scan of the brain that revealed this abnormality. Again, it looked like a blood collection. Uh, but it was concerning enough that, within the, that urgently, within the next couple of hours, the doctors took him to the operating room. Uh, they performed this incision, as you heard again, right in the left eyebrow area, removed uh, some bone and, and removed this. They believe they removed the entire tumor that they could see uh, from that area of the left front of his brain. I'm check here. The body cam video shot in January shows a Baltimore police officer searching a garbage-strewn backyard. He finds a bag of drugs tucked into a soup can. Yo. But the video doesn't actually begin there. It starts 30 seconds earlier. Officer Richard Panero in the same spot, planting the evidence, according to the public defender's office. Today, the police announced the officer has been suspended. I know we have to immediately launch an investigation. Uh, all boots on the ground. The department released more body cam footage from that day for context. As well as the discovery of a different bag of drugs on that same property. But even though police are investigating, the charges against the alleged dealer in this case were dropped last April. And the public defender says the same officer stayed on the job and testified in a separate case. What are you learning about what's going to happen next week? Because there was a lot of talk that they were going to testify publicly on Wednesday. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. It's because of this deal that was cut behind the scenes after a series of active negotiations. The deal entails providing more documents, those documents that you were just referring to, Donald Trump Jr., uh, his uh, any contacts that may have occurred, including that Trump Tower meeting that he had met with Russians in an effort to try to get dirt on the Clintons, as well as with Paul Manafort to provide some more records. And those two men have agreed to have a private interview with members of the Senate Judiciary Committee and the staff as well. Now, there's no date yet set, Anderson, for that private interview. And at this, at this point, uh, it's unclear if they will appear publicly.
All right, so now we're going to go ahead and get into the rest of the week. Um, before I start again, I want to mention, like I did in the last bit, that the first soundbite in this little montage that I just played, the John McCain soundbite, that was a conversation between Anderson Cooper and Sanjay Gupta that was like, I don't know, maybe three and a half minutes long or something like that, and I cut out uh, maybe a minute of it in the middle. So, again, you can go into the episode sources in the comment section. The um, first link in the John McCain section is 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 the video to the full conversation. So, but you know, to honor Donald Trump Jr. and transparency, I just want to I don't again, I don't want to misrepresent anything. So, that's interesting though cuz two people have gotten honored in this episode. I don't know when the last time we honored anybody when Mitch was here, so I'm I'm one point Brandon. Um anyway, so let's get into John McCain. Really, really sad news this week that John McCain has been diagnosed with brain cancer. Um, you know, that's that's really unfortunate. Um, and I, I'm going to set up, I'm going to talk a little bit about, I think the, the bite itself did a good job explaining kind of what, what it is. Um, but I know that it's so rare, the, the I'm not going to. Here's the thing too. I'm not gonna try to pronounce stuff that I that I know I'm gonna botch because why why do that, right? So his type of brain cancer um, is so rare that it strikes typically three in one million people, um, and it is not it, it's not curable. the The life expectancy after that is anywhere between a few months and maybe a couple years at, at the longest. Um, just really, really unfortunate news for John McCain and his family. The way that I want to address this story, though, is not to talk about the cancer and not to talk really politically about it. Um, I was pretty, I was, I was pretty disappointed when this story came out. That when I looked online at the at the comment sections, um, where because obviously the the response. The response from media organizations and politi- political figures and, you know, famous figures was very much solidarity. Like, we really hope for the best, and I think that's the way that it should be. If you looked at the comment sections on, on the articles about this, people are... It is unbelievable to me, and, and it shouldn't be. Maybe this is just me just me giving us as a society too much credit, but it it just was really shocking to me how much vitriol was in the comment section on. And I understand on, on typical political issues, you know, if you're talking about healthcare, if you're talking about taxes, tax reform, Russia, whatever name, insert political story here. I, I understand the, the elevated um, level of tension in those comment sections. I understand that politics has gotten to a place where we are so far removed from the other side, no matter where we fall, that we're looking for them, for the other side to be wrong and to be like 
I don't know. We treat we kind of treat each other like we're the enemy, and that's disappointing in itself. But a little bit more understanding when understandable when you're talking about like Hillary v. Trump or Bernie v. Hillary or you know the Paris Accord versus not being in the Paris Accord. Like I get it. I get people being very aggressive there. When somebody gets cancer, whether or not they're whether or not they're on your side or they line up with you ideologically or theologically or whatever, I, I just don't understand the level of hate that, that, was, that was expressed through those comment sections. Um, a lot of people with, you know, statements that I don't want to – I'm not going to say read off too many of them because – I don't want to give these people the time of day, but, um, you know, statements like, well, we, you know, we know why now we know where this Russia thing's coming from. And now we know why, um, or why all of his decisions over X amount of time has been X amount of whatever expletive it, to me, it, it, it just, for one second, can we step back from politics and, give a dude a break like i don't care who he is if donald trump is diagnosed with brain cancer tomorrow instead of being the guy that's like well that explains the last six months you know i would hope that most people would be like wow that's really shitty that is really sad and you know have some compassion i'm not saying that you have to agree with his politics i'm not saying that you but when people come out on the record and wish for his death some republican um official i can't remember where um you know when he goes into surgery like that that's a shitty thing to do and you're you're kind of a you're kind of a bad example of humanity so i don't know to to me i think the biggest thing and maybe maybe i maybe i look at it to too personally or maybe I'm taking it too personally I know that you know my my fiance works in a field where she she deals with people um who in like a type of assisted living environment that have dementia and have have you know mental things going on and like some some of them have had brain tumors and some of them have not but so i don't know if it's just that i've been exposed to a lot of it but to me when i heard that john mccain had cancer my immediate reaction wasn't let's turn this into a political thing let's make this an excuse for everything that i don't like about what he stands for or what he says or you know whatever i just think for a second it's not a bad thing to just be be a little bit humane and have a little bit of empathy and compassion for people. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know that there's anything else to be said about that. It, it's it, now there are there are real there are real conversations to be had about what does this mean. You know, John McCain's 80 years old, and he's just been diagnosed with a brain tumor that spreads extremely rapidly and is uncurable and doesn't spread to other organs. It stays in the brain and just, I mean, it just kind of takes over. It's not a good prognosis at all. 
And um, so what I'm what I'm not saying is that we should just focus on that we should just you know wallow over it and that we should just be you know, head patty I, I don't know that that's the right that's what I'm looking for but I don't think that's the right thing I just don't think that attacking this man or his agenda or his career is is what you do in this situation the conversations that that should be had are you know, a, a couple of days ago, he came out and he tweeted that he would be back. And I know that that's very hopeful and that's awesome. And that's kind of what you want to hear from like a PR standpoint. But you also kind of have to think about what does this mean for the country? Um, you know, in the same way that you have to think if if Steve Scalise di- didn't recover, like what does that mean? That seat eventually does have to be filled and... You know, so I don't know. I don't know. I think it's probably early to say what will happen with John McCain's final decision on whether he stays or not. Um, I I think that that tweet that he put out was probably meant exactly for what it sounded like, which was a hopeful, inspirational message. I don't know that he should return. I don't know that he can return. Um, I don't know if he's there yet but you know there are conversations to be had but but jumping directly to well this explains why he didn't make sense when he was questioning Comey I don't think is is the way that we should be going and that in itself isn't nearly as bad as what and I again I know I'm not naive I know what comments what comment sections lend themselves to so it's not like oh brandon right have you never been on the internet no i have i just think that this was an extraordinary case where you where you don't go down that road that that's a bad road to go down and i would hope that i hope would hope that you wouldn't do that as as individuals as you know so anyway that's that's the way that i that i kind of came at this story and i'm sure Mitch and I will have a lot of these conversations again. I, I, you know, so anyway, I don't know. We'll jump into the next story. Um, the next story is the, a few days ago, what, what was kind of taken over the news as the, as the big side story was the Baltimore police, but there's a, body cam and i've linked in in the comment section i've linked to the video of baltimore police doing an investigation where they were trying to catch some drug dealer with with drugs some known drug dealer with drugs but instead of him actually having drugs on him they planted the evidence and then arrested him and charged him now the charges did get dropped um but what the hell like this is another story that we have that we've done way too many times over the course of the the 21 weeks that tdap has existed where we have a corrupt officer who was so who was so bad at being corrupt that he filmed himself doing it he filmed himself planning evidence and um 
you know, and now we have the typical statement from from you know the Baltimore police or yeah Baltimore PD. We're gonna we're, we need to launch an investigation. Well, yeah, that's fine. But as Mitch and I have both expressed over you know the course of the show, what good does it, investigating yourself do? Like if. Debbie Wasserman Schultz investigates who screwed Bernie Sanders. Really? Are we comfortable with that? When the police investigate themselves, I just, all I'm saying, I'm sure in in cases that are this cut and dry, you would hope that they would come to the conclusion that seems so unbelievably obvious. Now, Philando Castile is dead, and nobody was held accountable for that. So it, it doesn't always happen. George Zimmerman is walking free, and Trayvon Martin is not alive. Justin, justice doesn't always play out. I get it. Um, so we'll see what happens here. But this this is another example of of a story of a reason why whenever you know conservatives and and police unions and whatnot come out and say well this is a story perpetuated by the media this is this this isn't a real thing and the reason that the communities don't like us is because you know you have cnn showing up in ferguson and making up this narrative and blah 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 well the fact of the matter is you we see evidence of the contrary over and over and over and over again and we don't see any we don't see any accountability for it ever so it's hard to it's hard to have faith in a system where the expectation ha- which is a direct result of what historically the outcome has been when the expectation is that okay we have a cop we see him on his body camera that he didn't know was on planting evidence and then and then framing somebody and they're going to launch an investigation. Well, clearly we have video evidence. So cut and dry, not necessarily it. it, I think that it happens more often than not, especially with these high profile cases that these guys just walk. And that's because as Mitch and I have stated over and over again, they don't cross the they don't cross the blue line. They are a brotherhood, um, you know. So, so I don't know how those. I don't know how. I don't understand how those people that are spinning the narrative that it's this this leftist narrative, this this media narrative that is created, perpetuated this tension. I don't know how how they come to that conclusion when it's so evidently the opposite it's so evidently their their power is so abused and and it's abused right in our face and so i i don't know how they're i don't know how we're not supposed to have the expectation that this won't happen again so again we will see what happens but i never i never anymore i never get my hopes up for for these kinds of stories because it seems cut and dry but at least to me, several stories have seemed cut and dry and they don't, they don't pan out the way that, that you would think they would. So, so there's that. The last story that I want to talk about this week is the, it just came out Friday night that 
Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr. will be having a closed-door Senate hearing instead of the public hearing that we had been told all week last week was coming in this in this upcoming week. So what I would like to say on behalf of TDAP is screw you guys. Like that I already had next week planned out and it was to recount the amount of times that you guys can't remember anything that happened after you know January of 2016. So that was the plan for next week and now that's scrapped because because there it's these are going to be well Kushner is not Kushner doesn't have a meeting time set up yet, but Manafort and Donald Trump Jr. will be, or maybe that's, maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's the opposite. I think it is the opposite. Man, I think Kushner will be a Monday, um, a, a Monday hearing. And then the other two don't, if I'm, if I'm remembering that correctly. So I don't know. I, it's obvious why they wouldn't want to have a public hearing because damage control, like you don't want it, You don't want the, the level of scrutiny that you're going to be under, especially after, you know, everything that's come out with emails. And now there's more questions in the air. And now Anthony Scaramucci's here. Spicer's out. We got to spin the story. All, all of, all of the what has become the story of the Trump administration, they, obviously they don't want any more of it, and I don't blame them for that. Now, I don't know what they think they're going to get. I cannot remember a meeting that this administration has had where we haven't found out anyway. There's, There are going to be other people in this room, and guess what? Some shit's going to leak. It always leaks. So I'm confident still, partially, that we will have something to talk about next week as a result of as a result of that Kushner hearing um i don't know what it'll be yet i don't it won't be as much as again what i believe would have just been him not remembering anything anyway but i i would i just can't imagine that we won't that we won't get a leak from this so but I think it is unfortunate that we won't get a public hearing because I would like to – I think that it's harder – I think when when you do have a public hearing as opposed to just telling Congress, first of all, I don't think he's under oath in this meeting. So this is a practice run for a later meeting that will probably still be behind closed doors but will be, but will be on the, uh, under oath. Um, so to me, that's kind of bullshit anyway, because like, why are you giving these guys a practice run? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what good that serves anybody. Just like, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to hide. Go up there and answer the questions. Remember your shit because we all know that you do. And you know, go ahead. Like that, just do the, do the damn thing. You have nothing to hide, so so disclose this information and let's move on and start making America great again, right? That's the goal here. So so the, the shadier this looks and the more they they try to cover this up and they do these weird, you know, let's do behind the behind closed doors. Now, granted, the the opposing argument to what I'm saying right now is that well 
everybody has closed door meetings. Hillary Clinton did, blah 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 blah. Yeah. They all are stupid. Everybody's hearings in on in front of the Senate should be public knowledge because I think it makes it harder. You don't only have to worry about what you're saying under oath. You now have to worry about the way you're perceived by the nation. So you can go behind a closed door and say that you know this this is what really happened and then turn around and walk out of there and, and lie because you're not under oath when you're not in that room that being said i, w- I obviously you're going to get caught up in that if if james comey or if um yeah if james comey goes into closed door hearing after his after his 3 hour thing that we that we covered and says, oh, by the way, everything I just said out there was bullshit, so I just want to get that on the record as well. Like, we should have a problem with that. He should be held accountable for that, and I'm sure that he would be. But to me, like, I just, I would like to see some some accountability. The other, the, but the other flip side of that as well, the other argument against me is like, well, as long as you get the truth on record under oath, isn't that what you want? And it is. So I'll take it. I'm not saying that let's not have it. Let's have it. I'm, I'm sure more will actually probably be disclosed behind closed doors anyway than it would be in in the public, sp- under the public spot- spotlight. So, you know, that's that's all fair and i'm i'm glad we're going to get something but i you know it just again these are the things that makes it make it hard for me for me personally to believe that you know everything is clean everything can't be clean because if everything is clean then this should have ended like we have nothing to hide why are we making you dig? Just hand over everything you've ever done. <laughs> um, I mean, not obviously, obviously not. But it just seems like this is solvable for them. If there's nothing there, if this isn't a cover up, if there, if they, if everything's innocent and there's no collusion and there's no nothing, there's no there there, then I would think this would already be over. So. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what comes of that. But I think that that pretty much wraps me up for this week. Um, as always, remember to remember to like and subscribe for our latest content. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at TDAP twenty seventeen. Um, the links to all of our pages and the iTunes and Google. I don't think the Google link is in the comment section of the iTunes link is um, you can find us on Google play iTunes anywhere that podcasts are found um, and I think that pretty much wraps it up Mitch will be back next week so it'll be more of a normal show probably a little bit longer than this one is I do want to say before I go into the alternative fact of the week just because it was just too perfect to not do um, I I you know, we have to honor Sean Spicer as as he goes out and his and his political career, at least in the Trump administration. So I did totally take this next audio straight from the straight from the Daily Show. Um, 
And if you look in the in below the episode, wherever you're you're taking this in at, in the comments there is a link to the video that this audio is from. You should watch it. It is pretty funny. the The video is great too. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to take credit for for stuff that's not mine. I did I did rip this off of the Daily Show, and I'm sure shockingly, it's I'm sure you know. Nobody's surprised that I that I've ripped some things off of the the Daily Show before. So anyway, I think that that pretty much wraps it up. And uh, so as always, here it is: your moment of zen. Guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good afternoon. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration. Period. You're shaking your head. I appreciate it, but but um, with respect to. Um, uh, over the hold on one second. You don't get to just yell out questions. We're gonna raise our hand like big boys and girls. Demo, demo, Denmark as a designation point 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 points. Bashar al Assad. Bashar al Assad. Bashar al Assad. Bashar al Assad. I know you've mispronounced his name a few times. Hitler, who didn't even sink to the to the to using chemical weapons, as many of you know. Okay, Jonathan, somebody's asking a question. It's not your press briefing, Major. I, and with that, I'm glad to take some questions. Steve Holland. Steve Holland's not here. With that, David Jackson. David, David is not here. Eamon Javers. I will let the tweet speak for itself. Yeah, I'm going to let the tweet speak for itself. His tweets speak for themselves. His tweets do speak for themselves. I don't, I mean, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Okay, no, I'm, this is silly. Okay, next. Stop shaking your head again. Sean. What about the Putin call? Sean. 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 Sean.